Today's scripture reading is taken from Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Amber. And we have a very special guest this morning, and I'll introduce him, and then I'll lead us in prayer for our morning. A few years ago, in Global Outreach, we were thinking about the country of India, Because how could you be serious about doing missions and not have any work in India? Over a billion people, one-third of the unreached people groups in the world are in India. So we prayed for God to lead us, and he led us through a series of relationships very clearly to Reverend George Chavani Kamenel and the ministry that God led him to establish. George is originally from Kerala in southern India, Moved to the States for his education, got his MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary. And then God led him, after working for 10 years with World Vision here in California, he led him to go back to India as a missionary to his own country. But instead of being in the south, he moved him to the north where the unreached peoples are. George began a ministry with his wife, Leela, called Good News for India. And two years ago, you may remember, we partnered with them and gave a Christmas offering, and George is going to give an update on how some of those funds have been used. But it's going to be a privilege this morning to hear the Word of God taught by an Indian brother and open our minds to the wonderful things God is doing outside the borders of the U.S. And so with that introduction, let me pray, and then we'll have George come and open God's Word. Would you join me in prayer? May those who love your salvation rejoice and be glad in you. May those who delight in you rejoice and be glad in all that you have done. Lord, we have done that this morning. We are those who seek you and we delight and are glad in you today. As we think of your compassion that you lavished on us richly in Christ, when we were so undeserving, our hearts overflow in thanks and praise to you as the God of all love and tender mercy. You sent your Son, our Father, to bear our sins in his body on the tree, even while we were yet sinners. And we give you thanks for that great gift of salvation. Who, O Lord, is like you? There is none. For you are great and your name is mighty in power. Who should not revere you, O King of the nations? For that is your due. Lord Jesus, King of the nations, you are worthy of the praise of all the peoples on the face of the earth whom you have made. And yet today, as we worship in this land of freedom and plenty, there are hundreds of millions of people in one country alone that are not giving the Son of God his due because they've not heard of him yet. So, Lord, we thank you for raising up a man like Brother George and his wife, Leela, for beginning this ministry 25 years ago, and for all that you have done through them, we give you thanks. We thank you for the group of 70 or 80 graduates that just recently graduated or heading out into their assignments that you've given them in northern India. And our prayer would be that you would protect them, that you would unite them, 
that they might give bold witness in each context that they're in of the glorious saving grace of Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that you would build your church in northern India through the ministry of these students and that you would call more students to come to the school and train more and more workers for your kingdom. Bless George and the staff there. Give them wisdom and strength and perseverance and diligence. Protect them from the evil one. Lord, do great things for the honor of your name through our brother and his ministry there. Thank you that our pastor Mark and his family can be on vacation and we pray that you would refresh them in their days away and bring them back to us excited to continue the ministry that you've blessed them and us with here. Lord, touch those who are hurting today, who are ill. Would you touch them with your healing power? And those who are far from you today, by your spirit, would you graciously draw them to you and give them the gift of repentance? And Lord, now we turn our attention directly to your most holy word. And our prayer is that you would once again fill George with your spirit, anoint him to open up your word to us. And we pray that it would fall on receptive soil in our hearts today, that we would hear your word and that we would do what your spirit asks us to do through it. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Brother George, welcome to College Park Church. Thank you for coming. It's an honor to have you here, and God bless you as you open God's Word. Good morning. Good morning. It's a real joy and a delight to be with you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for your partnership in reaching India with the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Nate, for your kind words of introduction. I want to share from God's word this morning, so we will turn quickly to Matthew, the scripture that has been already read. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn there with me and help me preach. I'll be asking you questions, and please answer. I promise I won't bite you. Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38 is our text. In Matthew 9:35 as well as in Matthew 4:23 we see almost two identical uh, passages and Matthew is using these two scriptures as kind of bookends and between these two between 4:23 and 9:35 we see this ministry of Jesus which Matthew summarizes in three words And if you will look at 9.35, you can tell me what those three words are. What did Jesus do? What was the focus of his ministry? It's, It's very clear there. If you will look at it there, you can get it. First, he taught. He was teaching them. Where was he teaching them? According to Matthew 9.35. Where was his ministry? Was he ministering in Indianapolis? In their synagogues. In whose synagogues? There. There. Who is there? The Jewish people. The Palestinian Jewish people. Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. His ministry was in Palestine. Did you know? Jesus never traveled except for one incident in his life. More than 125 miles in one direction from the place of his birth. That means if Jesus was born in Indianapolis, he never saw Chicago. (laughs) Imagine that. 
he, except for one incident, he traveled a little more. Who can tell me what is that incident? You guys know your Bible. Well, his daddy and mommy took him to Egypt when he was a small boy. Other than that, as far as we know, in his recorded life, his ministry was confined to Palestine. His ministry was largely to the Jewish people, except for a few incidents here and there, which you know about the Samaritan woman and the Syrophoenician woman, etc. But he taught. He taught in their synagogues. Number two, what did he do? He preached. Uh, the Greek words are there, given there, in case you want to, you know, impress with me. You know, I wanted to show off. And... <laughs> And number three, he healed. And of course, all those three Greek words have direct corresponding English words. Didactic, kerygmat, therapy. You know, those comes from there. Aren't you impressed with me? (laughs) You are a hard crowd. (laughs) He taught, he preached, he healed. Look at the focus of the ministry. You know, if I wrote the gospel, I would have put healed first. We have a healing campaign. Thousands of people come. How many come for a Bible study? (laughs) But the foundation of our faith. Oh, I believe in miracles. I see that. I do believe in miracles. I still believe the Lord heals. He does amazing things. We experience it in India. But the foundation of our faith is not miracles. It is the word of God. And if you will carefully read between... 423 and 935, you will see the bunch, the bulk of those passages deal with the teaching of the Lord Jesus, the preaching of the Lord Jesus. And as we already said, he was ministering in, in, in the synagogue, in Palestine. Well, let's use our contemporary word. He was ministering in the church. Jewish church. And you know how it was in the Jewish church, in the synagogue? It's unlike what we do today in our churches. In the Jewish church, in the synagogue, men were on one side, women were on the other side. They practiced segregation. And when the word of God was preached, they respected the word of God so much, they didn't even sit. They stood up. Did you know that? The Jewish people respected the word of God so much. When the word of God was read or preached, they stood up. And the preacher got to sit down. (laughs) Oh, I wish we will bring those days back again. (laughs) So we can sit and preach, and we can preach long, and you won't fall asleep on us. (laughs) But Jesus looks out at the audience, people who are listening to him. And he sees them. How does he see them? How does he see them? As sheep without shepherd. Oh. You know that's not a new phrase in the New Testament. You know that phrase is found all the way back in Numbers chapter 27. Jesus is borrowing it from the mouth of Moses. Moses lived 1500 years before Jesus. And he was praying, if you will look at Numbers 27 and 17, we don't have time, that's why we're not looking there. You'll see Moses was praying, Lord, let not my people be like sheep without shepherd. But 1500 years later, Jesus comes and he sees his people just as Moses was afraid they would be. 
I'll come back to that point in a minute. And how does he see them? And Matthew uses two very powerful words to describe what Jesus saw. Harassed is the NIV translation and the RSV translation. The old King James uses the word fainted. That's what Jesus saw. Was there anybody fainted in that congregation? Physically? No. They were standing. Dressed well. Smiling. Some nodding. Some frowning. Like some of you are doing now. (laughs) But Jesus saw them. New King James, weary. New American Standard, distressed. Comes from a Greek word from which we get our English word skin. Eskelmanoi. Powerful. Greek has this ability to paint a picture with one word. This is a picture. This is what Jesus sees. It's a picture of a flock of sheep. And you know Bible often compares God's people to sheep. And this is what Jesus saw. Listen to me carefully. This is what he sees. He sees this flock of sheep being taken captive by an evil creature. And this evil creature is killing the sheep one by one. How? Slitting their throat? No. Skinning them alive. Can you see that? Gross. This is what Jesus saw. Skinning them alive. That's what he sees the enemy doing to God's people. The wages of sin is. People are being destroyed by the evil one. I don't, I don't need to elaborate on it. You know it. As one great theologian put, the most empirically verified biblical doctrine is the doctrine of sin. If only we will open our eyes and see what sin is doing to people. Children being abused. Families being wrecked. Young men and women putting poison into their veins. Oh, what is the devil doing? This is what Jesus saw. Skinning them alive. That's what he sees. The second picture. Second word that is used. Translated helpless by an IV and RSV. King James has it scattered abroad. New King James also. New American dispirited. I didn't have space to put all the different English words used there. Another participle in the Greek language. Again, another picture. This time it is the picture of a person taken captive by a group of robbers. Who robbed them of every, of him, of everything, and then mortally wounded, unable, mortally wounded and fallen prostrate, unable to get up. This is what Jesus saw. Jesus does not see just peripherally. He sees us as, uh, he sees us as we really are. I often say you can travel all through America if you just know two words. Okay, fine. (laughs) You walked in this morning, somebody asked you, how are you and what was your reply? Great. Great. Maybe I should add that word too into my list. (laughs) Deep within there is pain, there is agony, there is hurt. But we just say, okay, fine. But aren't you glad the Lord sees you just as you are? Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is hidden from him. The words of the 
epistle of Hebrews, everything is naked and open before him. He sees us just as we are. He saw that congregation just as they were. But the amazing thing is, he does not condemn us. In the words of Philip Yancey, the well-known writer, many of you have read him. Oh, I love this sentence. Listen to this very carefully. He who knows me best loves me most. Oh, oh, I love that. He who knows me best loves me most. Oh, my wife and I, we have been married 37 years and she thinks she knows me. (laughs) If only she knew me. But my Lord knows me best. But He still loves me. He loves you. He does not condemn you. You know, if I were in Jesus' shoes, I would have said to the Jewish people, you are in a pickle because of you. I sent you prophets. I sent you priests. I gave you worship services. I mean, I gave you everything. I sent you Moses, Daniel, Ezekiel. Oh, man, you're in a mess because you have not listened to them. You've not obeyed them. You've not obeyed the word of God. That's why you're in this mess you are in. I'm going to just (laughs) kick you out. I bet many of us would have said that. But he doesn't do that. He does not do that. He loves us in spite of the fact that we mess up again and again and again. Oh, he is a God of compassion. Listen, this morning, probably nobody knows you're hurt. But he knows. And he loves you. And I want to just encourage you this morning, don't try to hide anything from him. Don't try to hide anything from him. He loves you just as you are. Just come to him. And what does he do? What is his response? When he sees them in this mess, after all these years of working with the people of Israel, they are still in this mess, but what is his response? Not condemnation. People condemn us, but Jesus loves us. Compassion. And the word that Matthew uses is just more complicated than my last name. It's so long. <laughs> Splangnik Shamai. From which we get our English word spleen. Because the Greek people built this word on what they thought were the innermost, what they thought was the innermost organ of a human being. Splangnik Shamai. It's found only 12 times in the whole New Testament. I encourage you to do a word study on it. Powerful word. Listen to that. It's only about Jesus or in his mouth. Nobody else uses this word in the New Testament. And it is not found about anybody else. It's only found in the first three Gospels. Powerful word. Let me illustrate the meaning of this word. Because we often read it and just go through it and as if it matters nothing. It's powerful. It's found in Mark chapter 1, 40 and 41. If you have your Bible, you can turn it there. Otherwise, you can look at the scripture on the screen. A man with leprosy came. Some English translation have it. A man with leprosy came near Jesus. Now, here is a good illustration of the point that Bible need to be studied in its context. How many have seen a leper? Only a few. 
If you come to India, I'll show you. We have so many of them. In fact, we have two congregations that were started by uh, one by one of our professors and one by one of our graduates. And I have had the privilege of baptizing a number of them. Leprosy is a horrible disease. It eats away your organs. It eats your nose, your toes, your fingers. It disfigures you so much. Leprosy was feared more than we fear AIDS today in the times of Jesus. In fact, Moses dealt with it in detail in Leviticus 13. Uh, strict rules how a leper can behave in public. How many have seen the movie Ben-Hur? If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. You can see it. It's a powerful treatment of leprosy in that movie. Horrible. In India, Hindus used to burn them alive. Just a few years ago, they used to burn them alive because Hindus believe in reincarnation and they said, if we can burn them alive in the next birth, they will be born as clean people. In Palestine, they were so mistreated, they couldn't walk down the street like ordinary people could. They had to wear special clothes. They had to cover every part of their body except for their eyes. And they had to shout, unclean, whenever they walked in public place. Because if by accident they came near a person, they could be stoned to death. So when it says it came near Jesus, don't think came near Jesus like close. No. 30 feet was the distance. 10 cubits prescribed by the rabbis. And standing there, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Notice he doesn't say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He looks upon himself as an unclean person. Like the nearly 300 million people in India today who are treated as unclean, untouchable by the high caste Hindus. They look upon themselves as unclean. This man looks upon, looked upon himself as unclean. And look what Jesus does. He has compassion. Splangnik Chumai. And he violates the law of Moses. The law of Moses says, don't touch a leper. But Jesus goes near him and touches him. How do you suppose Jesus touched him like that? Uh Uh-uh. I believe he hugged him. That's my interpretation. I believe he hugged him. And the moment Jesus touches him, what happens to this man? He becomes clean. But do you know what happened to Jesus according to the law of Moses? Jesus became unclean. The uncleanness that was upon the leper came upon Jesus. In the words of Paul the Apostle, he who knew no sin, help me, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Listen, that's what cross is all about. This is the amazing love of God. The God, the Almighty, He loves you so much. I wonder why in the world He loves me. But He loves me. He loved me so much that He took my uncleanness upon Himself. He hung on the cross for me, for you. It's a 19 year old young man. He came to me. I too was a leper. Oh, not physically. He came to me, he touched me, he made me whole, while I did not deserve it. Listen, my friend, this morning, my brother, this morning, my sister, listen, no matter what mess you are in it, he still loves you. He wants to hug you this morning. Will you allow him to? Will you please allow him to? That's what compassion is. That's what compassion is. Every place... This word is found. I told you how many times? 
12 times in the New Testament. Every place, if you look it up, either Jesus or the character in the story, he tells death something unexpected, like touching a leper. The word is found in the story of the Good Samaritan. The the Samaritan risked his life. He spent money to help who? To help who? To help a Jew who hated him, who mistreated him, who called him names, who called him pig. You understand the story? Because he had compassion. Compassion always leads to action. Jesus or the character in the story always, in every passage, in every one of the twelve passages, except here. Here, what does he do? Broken hearted, he turns to his disciples. That's you. If you know Jesus, you're a disciple. And he is turning you to you today. And he is saying to us, he's giving us a command. He's giving us an imperative, pray. Second person plural, it's given to the whole church. It's not just given to the pastors or to the missionaries. Pray. The harvest is plentiful, laborers are few, pray. This is the only prayer command Jesus has given to the church. And how many of us obey it? How many of us take it seriously? Do we see his broken heart? For us, our harvest field is India with 1.2 billion people. With 4,693 nations. And I want you to really understand that word nations. Unfortunately, in English, that's misunderstood today. Because we use the word Nation in English today as a synonym for country. No, absolutely wrong. That's a total misunderstanding of the biblical use of the word. When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he was not talking about countries. He was talking about ethna. The Greek word is ethna, plural. Ethno, singular. And you know the meaning of ethna as soon as I say it. Ethnic. Ethnic, one country here, how many ethnic groups are here? In my country of India, we have 4,693 ethnic groups. I know for you guys, we all look the same, but (laughs) thank you for laughing at my joke. And if it is any consolation at all, when my wife and I came to this country first in the early 1970s, you all look the same to us too. Jesus loves every one of the 4,693 ethnic groups of India. Did you know India is home to the largest number of unreached people group than any other country in the world? One third of the unreached world people groups of the world still live in India. We have scores of languages. According to Wycliffe Bible translators, 146 languages still with no scripture. Lord, send my wife and back from California to northern India in 1986 and provided this land In a miraculous way, I don't have time to tell you. There I am with black hair. (laughs) We have a saying in Sanskrit. We think we spend time, but in reality, time is spending us. Powerful saying. 
Well, I'm not preaching on that today. And with God's help, God's people's help, we were able to build a beautiful seminary right at the foothills of the Himalaya mountains and started training Indian young people because India no longer allows foreign missionaries to enter India. You can come as a tourist or as a visitor, but not as a missionary. And we started with 22 students in 1989, and now we have become the largest fully accredited theological seminary in northern India. And in 2009, we graduated 69, and in this year, we, I just came back after graduation, we graduated 80 students. But what is 80 for 1.2 billion people? We need prayer. What's our goal? The only goal we have is this. Because Jesus, this is the commandment of Jesus. Make disciples of all. Athena. Learn that word, Athena. Make disciples of all Athena. 4,693 of them in India. And of course, many more around the world. If I could tell the story of this picture, it will take me a long time. Two of those people are so-called untouchables. One is a high caste Hindu. And all have come to the Lord. And this is our desire to see them. And we are able to do this because of partnership of churches like College Park. And you gave us your Christmas offering in 2007. And through your help and through your encouragement, we were able to concentrate on one people group. They're known as the Yadav people. They're a mega people. 57 million plus people. And largely unreached. A few believers among them now, but largely unreached. And you encouraged us to do this. And with your help, we have been able to. They are predominantly in northern India. They are scattered all through India, but predominantly in the state of Bihar and Jharkhand. Again, a so-called low caste people, but becoming very powerful politically these days. A number of them have become national leaders and we... With your help, we have been able to start two training centers to train workers, particularly for Yadavs. And God is blessing the work. And Pastor Mark and Pastor Nate came in 2008 and visited one of the training centers. We were blessed to have them. And we hope many more will come. They're organizing another trip to India in November. Pastor Nate will talk about it. Please consider coming. And we have, with your help, from these true training centers, trained scores of Yadavs and people from other people groups who are interested in working among them. Now we have about 20 pastors, Yadavs. These are all Yadavs people. The main leader is right in the front with his wife uh, from Bihar. And... Right now, under the care of these men, we have about 2,000 Yadav believers. But what is 2,000 for 57 million? Still a drop in the bucket. But it is a beginning. And we are very grateful to you for your partnership. And with your help, we are now in the process of establishing a permanent training center in the state of Bihar. Bihar is often known as the graveyard of missionaries. Will you pray for Bihar? Will you pray for the Yadavs? Will you pray for the other people groups? If you are interested in knowing more about these people groups, there is a powerful web 
page called joshuaproject.net. I hope you will visit it and learn about more people groups that are not reached, not only in India, but other parts of the world, joshuaproject.net. And your Christmas offering also helped us to complete two of our school buildings. We use schools strategically to reach needy people. Our schools are all in unreached areas. And these schools are instruments uh, in reaching unreached people groups in unreached areas. You helped us to complete two of our school buildings with the Christmas offering. You also have provided scholarship for three seminary students. And this will continue forever. We have put a certain amount of money in, uh, separated and put it in fixed deposit. So this scholarship will continue for years to come until the Lord comes. He also helped us to provide funding for a faculty member for three years. And all this is leading to establishing of churches. And that's our goal. That's our only desire, to see the gospel preached and young children like these reached. And we need your ongoing prayer because there are still many who need to hear. As I already mentioned, according to Wycliffe Bible Translators, there are at least 146 languages more. And those are languages, not dialects. Okay, those are languages, distinct languages, without even portion of the Bible Translated. We are now in partnership with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they have adopted our seminary as the main place of training Bible Translators. It's a great honor for us and a blessing. And... We're starting a school of linguistics in our campus in cooperation with them to train Bible translators. So when this need is, Jesus is confronted with this need of a harvest that is plentiful and laborers that are few, this is his commandment to us. And I hope you will take me seriously this morning. The sign of a mature Christian is how he or she prays. Our two boys, and we taught them to pray when they were small, and I still remember them praying, bless daddy, bless mommy, bless cousins, in Jesus' name, amen. That was sufficient for a two-year-old. Now my older boy is 35. He's an MD-PhD from Harvard University. I'm bragging here. (laughs) And when I go to visit him in Boston, and I ask him to pray, And suppose he prays, bless daddy, bless mommy, bless cousins, in Jesus' name, amen. Something seriously wrong with him. (laughs) There is something seriously wrong with some of us. Because our prayer is still just for us and for our families. Nothing wrong. Please do pray for families. Please do pray for your needs. Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. But before he got there, He taught some other things which we have forgotten. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In that short little prayer, the first three points are about his name. It's about his kingdom. It's about his will. How about you? How much are you concerned about his name, his kingdom, his will? Do you pray that his will come in Indianapolis? That his kingdom will come in your community? In the, in the, in the, in your neighbor's house? 
Do you have a list of people that you are praying for in the Bible? I'm, I hope I'm not speaking in such a way that trying to make you feel guilty. No. But this is expected of us. We are mature children. A mature child knows the father's heart. A mature child knows the father's heart. What is important for the father is important for him. Is the father's heart important for you? Do you understand what is important for him? Do we see people as Jesus sees them? Or are we only concerned about us? Oh, let's have compassionate heart. Let's not condemn people. Let's obey him. Let's pray that his kingdom will come. Not only in India, but here in the United States. World is coming here. Nations are coming here. Let's do what we can to touch them. Let's obey. Let's take Matthew 9.38 seriously. It's a command. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and 15, five times he said, If you love me, obey my commandments. Matthew 9.38 is a commandment, brothers, sisters. Do you love Jesus? Oh yes, I know you do. Otherwise you would be playing golf this morning somewhere. You're here because you love him. Let's obey him. Let's share the gospel. Let's not just talk about the colds and uh, I don't know all your teams. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus. If you don't talk about him, who will? Let's give generously. If we cannot go, let's send others. Let College Park raise up missionaries who would go all over the world. And if you are a retired person, please don't spend all your life playing golf. Give a few weeks of your life to Jesus. Come over to India. Even if you are not retired, you are welcome to come. If you are a music teacher, we need you desperately. We have a school of music in the seminary. If you're a qualified music teacher who can teach theory and instruments, come, help us. If you're a theology teacher, you can, we can use. If you're a primary school teacher, we can help you. If you like to play with children, we can use you. Come. I think a team is coming in November again to India. We would love to have you. Separate. One or two vacations here and there for mission work. Listen, I guarantee you it will bless you more than you ever think possible. It will. Well, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being patient with me. And if you'd like to know more about Good News for India, please visit that webpage. We are very grateful to you. Thank you, Pastor Nate. God bless you. Thank you so much, Brother George. What a privilege to hear the word of God from a real Indian brother. It's a different perspective. Well, he's raised a great question. The point is compassion acts. And if you don't act, it's not compassion, it's just sympathy. Now, many of you are already involved in ministries and your schedules are full and you can't take any more on your plate. And if you're doing all that God has for you, wonderful. Keep doing it. Be encouraged by this message from God's word. But... If you feel that God might use you in new ways, there are more opportunities to get involved. And I just wanted, as we close, to outline a few of those. There's a a deep-level commitment. You could go and teach, as George said, at New Theological College for several months. If 
you're a, a musician or have graphic art skills, they're looking for people like that. So definitely talk to myself or George after the message. If that's a little bit too much to think about, there's a team going in November on a vision trip. We'll be there just for about a week and you can see the ministry and get caught up in it and then let God lead you in further steps. We'd love to have some more of you join us on that trip. That's too much. How about praying with us once a month? We have a group that meets the second Sunday of the month at 8.30 in my office. And we would love to see more people do exactly what George, through the word, has just admonished us to do. That is to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more laborers. We need to get together, my friends, and pray that God would build his kingdom on this earth. Consider that as another option for you. And finally, let me bring... One more option. God is also bringing the nations to us here in Indianapolis. You know, there are at least 70 Chinese students at the University of Indianapolis who would love to come to an American home. We're going to be beginning in the fall a new outreach to international students here. There's a meeting May 23rd. Check the website for more details about that. But we'd love to encourage you to open your home and a couple times a semester meet and greet and show love to an international student, maybe from India, maybe from China, maybe from somewhere else. But begin to be engaged in reaching the nations for Jesus Christ where you're at. And if you've come today and you don't know him, we'd love to talk to you. The Lord Jesus loves you and he comes this time not in judgment but in compassion. He would love to touch you and make you whole today. And some of us will be here at the front if you would like to speak with us afterwards about that. As we close, let me give you this benediction from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.